Que Spookie Podcast contains explicit language and content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hi. Hi. I don't have the prompt in front of me. Uh, uh, hello. Welcome to the Spooky Podcast, where two married guys share stories of paranormal encounters, urban legends, true crime, and other scary things from around the world. And I am Kevin. And I'm Andres. Okay. Sorry. Wow. No, Let's do it again. Let's no, do it again. No. 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 I'm fine. What's going on? What's up? Um, What's popping? So my computer's restarting. Okay. So well, we you did- can't talk... We did the intro a little different today. You did the intro instead of me. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? What's been, what's popping? We just went to Tulsa this weekend, this past weekend. Which is why this is late. Yeah. But it's fine. Do you feel like we were like the oldest ones there? No. Really? I feel like when I looked around, I was like, I'm 32 and I'm at a Purity Ring concert. Like, what am I doing? There's literally nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I guess so. I was just more bothered by the fact that I don't like being in crowds anymore. Yeah. And I get annoyed by tall people standing in front of me when I've been waiting for a while and then I can't see past them because they're so tall. Oh, like, I hate people that like, um, they start like, not, what's the word? Um, mosh pits. Like, I don't mind mosh pits. That's fine. Just don't include me, because I'm a little old man. But at a Purity Ring concert? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So we went to see Purity Ring in Tulsa. To those that don't know, um, Purity Ring's album cover, Shrines, actually inspired, partially, our podcast artwork. Yes, it did. Um, It's literally just the hand that... (laughs) 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 Like, that's it. Um... Anything else you want to report before we jump into the story? Oh, that's it's been, it. Like we've been gone for a month, and that's it. Oh, you don't I have mean, anything else to say? I don't know. I have like palate cleanser stuff. Mm. But I mean, I'm not gonna say that until um, later. Let's see. Not Ooh, to brag actually, about our personal lives or I anything. Do have something. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm, me too. Oh, okay. Okay, go ahead. Oh, okay, sure. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what comes after b how do you spell book oh okay b <laughs> regarding um episode 33 about um the clown painting uh-huh um friend of the pod listener uh lupe actually reached out to us and informed us that rosemary kennedy that i mentioned uh was actually jfk's sister i was shook when we when we read that and then we looked it up yeah it, well uh, th- the thing is is like kennedy i was like oh okay Oh, okay. <laughs> I, but for, for some reason, it, the two didn't connect. So, um, but yeah, turns out that they 
they lobotomized her and just treated her very badly. Um, which I kind of knew, like, that their family was kind of weird, but I didn't really know Catholic. the extent of it. Me, a former Catholic. Just kidding. Me too. I'm a former Catholic. Being a former Catholic just means that you don't, like, you don't play with the Ouija board and then you feel guilty all the time. Literally me. Right now, I feel guilty. I don't know what I did, <laughs> but I feel nothing. guilty. Just wow. constant pressure of feeling guilty. Oh, oh no. I have a pile of laundry Sitting that here. I do laundry on Friday, but it's there. I feel guilty about it. Guilty. Um, but yeah, thank you, Lupe. We're always welcome to corrections or fun facts like that. Yeah. Also, I did want to give a quick shout out to a Spooky Tales podcast from a few episodes ago. I looked, listening back, I was like, it was kind of weird because, I mean, I'm, n- nobody probably noticed it besides me, but I was like, oh yeah, I listened to um, a, spooky, uh, a Spooky Tales podcast and all I said was like, it's okay or like, it's good. But listening, I was like, dude, I sound like such a fucking asshole. It's great. But the thing is, is like, I really get excited about like anything. Yes. No, let me preface this. Like, <laughs> I can cook him a fucking five star meal and he will be like, it's okay. 10 out of 10. It's okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't get excited anymore. I don't know. Yeah. That's because you're old. That's what it is. I'm young. You're old. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Can you Stop. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I can't. I that can't. fucking meme. I that can't. fucking meme. I don't know if it, any. I don't know if any of you guys have seen this. It's like this young woman, this little girl, a sibling, mm-hmm. is opening the freezer and getting ice cream out of it, and yeah. her brother is instigating her, mm-hmm. and she's saying, "Oh, okay." I think it's because uh, okay. he ate her food or something. He ate her ice cream, I think. Yeah. And then he's like, "Pipe down, pipe <laughs> down." But she's like, "Oh, okay." And she oh, can okay. say, and then they're trying to fight, and then now Kevin I cannot stop, stop saying, saying "Oh, okay." Ever since we saw that, it was like well. a meme that was like, "How do you spell book?" <laughs> what comes after the B? And it's like it cuts into that, <laughs> that part of the meme where it's like, "Oh, okay, oh, okay." The thing is, is like, I, I sometimes, I mean, if you've listened to other episodes, like sometimes TikTok trends like stick in my head, and it's like I can't unlearn them unless I replace it with something else. Um. So I'm not doing it intentionally. It's just part of my vocabulary now. No, because this is this actually is my life. This is actually how we talk. Yeah, literally, like things that we talk about to you guys, and like how we talk, and the words that we use. This is how this we is talk as, in real life. This yeah. is true to life. So, like even Saturday when we were in Tulsa, hanging out with Whitney, Megan, and Travers. Uh, hi, shout out. Um, I felt like we were doing most of the talking. I'm like, oh, no, we're just used to talking a lot. That's why. Yeah. We just talk <laughs> a lot. We just talk a lot. People look at us like we're crazy. Oh, shit. Our uh, DoorDash is here. Hold on. Sorry. Um, our food got here. So we ate. Yeah. Look Intermission. Ate that. Ew. Okay. Um, maybe our voices sound weird because we just ate. We just ate. I don't know if we told you already, but we just ate. Something to eat. What do we eat? I was feeling a little peckish. Um, anyway, as I was saying, um, no, Spooky Tales, a Spooky Tales podcast, uh-huh. shout, shout out, check them out. What did you, tell what, them did you what did you eat? Tell the, tell, tell I don't know, a chicken. You did you eat Kung Fu, Kung Pao chicken? Yeah. Me too. With veggies. Okay. So what were you going to say? Oh, that we went to the Philbrook Museum. Yep. We went to go see, they have, um, the Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera like exhibit floating around and it's going to be here till August. 
So we went to go September 11th. September, and we went to go see it. I like how you remember that date, September 11th. Well, Quickly. I posted it on Instagram. Oh, and on Twitter. So, and in case you don't follow us on either, please feel free to do that. Uh, details in the show notes. Goodbye. In the show notes. Yeah. Wow. Because I don't remember them right now. Sorry. That's okay. Don't you have the prompt in front of you? Maybe. Uh. So, sorry that this episode is a little late. It was our birthday. I'm just kidding. I'm lying. You want to jump into the story? Um, sure. You go first. Wasn't there something that you wanted to share? I mean, that was it. You're not oh. really talking about the exhibits or anything. You're not really bantering. Oh, sorry. So. It was good. I mean, they had... um. It was Mexican modernism art, so um, a lot of, like, Frida Kahlo's paintings, like, a lot of people that were associated in, like, that art movement during the time, because it was, like, 1920s, 30s, and 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, it was weird seeing Mexico, like, like photographs of that time era in Mexico City, because um, it's so different now. Yeah. When I was in Mexico City, I mean, we drove by the... Um, La Casa Azul, Frida Kahlo's house. Um, but there was a line, so I didn't go in. But I have, like, cousins that have gone and went inside, and they said it's really nice. So <clears throat> maybe next time we will go. We will go and inside. We're in Mexico City. Yeah. Maybe one day when we can afford it. One day. That'd be beautiful. Wow. Um. Also, it was, like, 110 degrees that day. Currently, As it has been. Currently, we're in a heat wave where we live, and it's been over 100 for two weeks like now? Like two weeks, yeah. Two, three it's weeks? it's going to be like this for until like August or something. But global warming's not real. Oh, I'm so glad global warming's not real. Imagine yeah. us ex- at facing the consequences of our actions from the inception of the Industrial in- Revolution. Global warming is fake. It's not real. I'm, uh, can you imagine if it was real, though? That'd be crazy. Al Gore fuck that movie you made it's not real <laughs> he made it up he made it up he really did so <laughs> i'm gonna jump into my case is that okay hello yeah go ahead oh, okay so i chose today el panteón de belen belen campanas <laughs> de belen that's the whole that's the only thing i can fucking think about when i think when i hear that so this is a cemetery. I have about li- nine little mini mini stories as part of this. So some of my sources are a YouTube video by Proyecto Paranormal, YouTube video by Expediente Paranormal RV, a Milenio article, Zona Guadalajara articles, Soy GDL articles, El Portal del Miedo article, a Random Times article by Ivan and leo cryptid chronicle tumblr post by nick redfern a tiktok by fernanda cortez muy interesante article and wikipedia so located in colonia el 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 retiro in guadalajara jalisco mexico you'll find this historical cemetery that is the site of many legends and an essential part of the city uh, of the city's history sorry so this is the Panteón de Belén. It is considered the most famous cemetery in the city of Guadalajara. It was originally named Santa Paula Cemetery after the upper class section of the cemetery being named after Santa Paula. Um, Friar Antonio Alcalde had it constructed due to a pandemic in Guadalajara at the time that was... Um, so it was created uh, 
as an overflow for church cemeteries. Mm-hmm. Um, it was originally inhabited by Franciscan friars, and it was designed by architect uh, Manuel Gomez Ibarra. It opened in 1848 and ended burials officially in 1896. Um, it is considered a tesoro arquitectónico. Wait, the, a tesoro arquitectónico nacional or a national architectural treasure. Today, it houses more than 900 buried bodies, some in small graves and others in larger family catacombs and above-ground tombs. Some of the most renowned people of Guadalajara were buried here, especially under the central chapel and the mausoleum. These remains were later transferred to a new area called La Rotonda de los Jaliscienses Ilustres, or the Rotunda of the Illustrious Jaliscienses. Residents of Jalisco. Yeah, they're residents of Jalisco. Uh, there are over 200 unmarked graves in the cemetery. Um, in the early 2000s, huge parts of it were restored and officially renamed El Museo Panteón de Belén, so the Museum Cemetery of Belén. You can no longer be buried here, but daytime and nighttime tours are offered year-round with the tours popularity, usually peaking around the Día de los Muertos, which is the end of October, beginning of November. Uh, you're allowed to take photos during the day, but are prohibited to take photos during the night tours. Um, it was originally believed that it was because phantom apparitions are said to appear at night and they don't want to be you to disturb them. Uh, but it's most likely because the flash of the camera might damage the restoration paint on buildings. I'm thinking the second reason. Truth. So let's get into some of its most spooky legends in no particular order. <clears throat> the first one is El Pirata or the Pirate. Um there is some variation to this legend. There are like multiple sources that I went through that kind of fluctuated a few things. Um, but most of it was okay. So in 1830, uh, shipping vessels from Asia experienced pirate attacks on the coast of Nayarit, Jalisco and Colima. The captain of the pirate ship would target uh, ships that had luxury goods, jewels and coins. He was a very, he was very private when it came to his personal life and he wasn't known to have friends, a spouse or relatives. But one day the pirate returned from town with a baby boy a few hours old. Um, he quickly got on a boat and left with him. Nothing was known about his mother and something about being a parent changed the pirate. So he decided to settle and uh, make a life for himself in Guadalajara, which is weird because Guadalajara isn't even near the ocean. Near the ocean. Yeah. Maybe he has a land boat. That's what it is. It transitions. Maybe it's like the Flying Dutchman Amphibian. and the boat flies out of the water. So Didn't his, that happen in one of the Pirates of the Caribbean where the boat flew? I don't know. Can't say I'm a fan. Yeah. So his son never knew about his father's pirate past and the man, the man ended up burying all of his treasures somewhere in the city but never told anyone where and took the secret with him to the grave in the Panteon de Berlin. Uh, legend goes that because he kept the secret of his treasure to himself, it became a sort of anchor that doesn't allow him to move on past our world. The legend goes that if you visit his tomb at night and begin to pray in complete devotion to him uh, to help him move on, the spirit of the pirate will, will appear and tell you where he hid his treasure. One part that I forgot to include was that supposedly like he has told people where his treasure... Um, where he buried his treasure, but supposedly you forget after like a minute. I'm about to write that shit down real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say some goofy ass shit like that. 
<laughs> or just record them on the it. phone. <laughs> like smack <I've>, cam. <laughs> does it disappear? I don't know. Is it like, supposedly you forget after a minute? That reminds me of those fucking aliens from Doctor Who that like you see them and then you mm. don't see them and we talk about it all the time. But that fucking that was episode one of the scared best. the shit out of that me. That was one of the best villains of that show. It's like they're like, "Ooh, these like gray aliens that Americans see." Mm-hmm. They make you forget as soon as you look away from them. Let's mark our bodies every time we see them. Mm-hmm. And then like a second later, fucking bodies all marked up. And I'm like, uh, no, absolutely not. Hello? Yeah. Okay. So the next legend is Los Amantes, which is the lovers. So this involves a man named Jose Maria Castaños and a woman named Andrea. No last name for some reason. I was unable to find a fucking last name for her. Um, they were a young couple, madly in love, that wanted to marry each other. Jose was the son of a higher upper-class family in the city, while Andrea was a lower, quote-unquote, humble class. A serf, if you will. A serf. Like us. A peasant? Yes. In her petticoat. <laughs> like petticoat. the lead singer from Purity Ring. So Jose's mother... Oh, fuck, what did I do? Jose's mother couldn't stand the idea of them being together, so she bribed Andrea's family to move somewhere far away or to try to convince her not to marry Jose. Uh, the family was offended at this and refused the money, uh, but they decided by themselves that they didn't want Andrea marrying into a family like that. So both families forbade each other, or forbade each of them to never see each other or speak to each other ever again. In an act of desperation, the couple agreed to a suicide pact and completed suicide so they can remain together in the afterlife. Oh, how Romeo and Juliet of them. That's what I was thinking. The families found the bodies of the couple outside the hotel Aransasu as they had decided to jump from the highest building in Guadalajara at the time. This made the family realize, or the families realize how badly they messed up, so as an act of retribution, they had the two lovers buried together in the Pantheon de Berlin. Uh, The tombstones have the shared surname of Castaños. Jose's mother felt so responsible for the deaths that she handmade a wreath of flowers and left them on the the two lovers' tomb and supposedly instantly turned to stone, according to the legend. Supposedly, Jose's mother took this as a sign that the lovers forgave her. Somebody lied to her. I don't know. That's kind of scary. The wreath of flowers is still on the tomb today. There are pictures, if you want. Um, Next little legend is... El Monje, or the monk. The The cemetery was originally inhabited by uh, Franciscan friars, or monks, like I said earlier. Um, the Pantheon has these large tombs that have catacombs underneath them for multiple burials. During, the wedding pro- during a wedding procession, the newly married couple descended these stone stairs with a catacomb entrance underneath it. This was actually like caught on video. As they're descending, the apparition of a monk holding a white crucifix is captured exiting the catacombs. There were two video cameras filming at the time, but supposedly only one of the cameras actually captured the apparition. The other one did not. Not much is known about the monk, but it is believed that this has it's been in the area for more than 300 years. There have been more and more reported sightings of the monk in the cemetery, and on one occasion, a reporter and cameraman for Televisa Guadalajara were filming there at night when they saw the silhouette of a monk staring back at them. When they turned the camera towards it, it disappeared when the light, uh, when it received the light from the camera. But when in complete darkness, the figure reappeared. Both the reporter and the cameraman had stuck have stuck to their story that they that they witnessed the apparition. 
The sightings of the monk have become more and more frequent in the past decade, and not much else is known of the monk, but it's believed that it may have been one of the monks that traveled to Guadalajara to spread Christianity centuries ago during its original founding. Um, number four. Number four. <sighs> Top ten saddest anime deaths. Number four, El Señor de los Perros, or the man with the dogs. I like him. So this legend involves a man that didn't have any family, but instead lived with several dogs that he picked up around the city and provided them shelter in his home. Everyone in the city kind of knew him as the man that would pick up stray dogs. He was an older man, so he had already received uh, or reserved his grave in the Pantheon de Belén. Uh, one night when he went out to a bar and he waved by to his neighbors, like all of his neighbors saw him because they were all pretty close, tight neighborhood. Uh, right before dawn, the dogs in his house started barking really loudly. His neighbors claim that it is the loudest that they've ever been, considering the number of dogs living in the home. They went next door to complain about the noise, but the man wasn't home. Later that day, the neighbors found out that the man had actually been murdered around the same time that the dogs started barking uncontrollably, almost as if they knew that it had happened. In the house or somewhere else? In the house. They were all in the house. Well, they, of course they knew. They saw him get murdered. The man wasn't in the house. He had left to the bar and he never came home. Pay attention. I don't think you understood what I was asking. Okay. Okay. Supposedly, if you visit his tomb at night and scratch it, any nearby stray dog will begin to howl in honor of the man. Oh. Number five. El Arcado, or the hanged man. Trigger warning. Okay. The next legend comes from the hospital next to the Panteon. The hospital, Hospital Civil Viejo, or the old civil hospital. The legend goes that a young man named Santiago had been diagnosed with cancer. Um, After many attempts at trying to treat it, his doctors told him that nothing was working and that it was basically terminal. To try to raise his spirits, his mother left a photo of a saint next to his bed, and the young man angrily said that God never did anything for him and ripped up the photo. Another version of the story says it was actually a small statue of the saint, or of a saint. So he cursed God for giving him the illness that was killing him, and the next morning his mother found his body hanging from the tree outside of his hospital room window. Sorry, yeah, you were right. Trigger warning. Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> The legend says that during nighttime, the figure of a hanging man will appear in the tree. Um, but if you were close to it, it would disappear. This became such a common sighting that the hospital actually had the tree cut down. But this didn't stop the apparition, however, since you can allegedly still see the shadow of a hanged man near the now trunk of a tree. Um, next story is La Mujer Sepultada, or The Buried Woman. This legend is about a woman named Victoriana Hurtado. She was born in 1833 to a wealthy family in the city. Uh, she suffered from catalepsy, which is a condition characterized by a trance or seizure with loss of sensation and consciousness, accompanied by rigidity of the body. Uh, basically, it's a condition that gives you the appearance of being dead. It actually, I think, slows down your heart rate, too. Since she was the heiress of her, uh, to her family's wealth, she accumulated all the money that she had that they had throughout the centuries. She had three sons, Octavino, Alejandro, and Javier, and they all wanted a part of the money. Because of Victoriana's 
uh, condition, she had been wrongfully declared dead multiple times, but one time when she was experiencing a cataleptic episode, her sons quickly buried her, unaware that she was still alive. No, they knew. Yeah, I was going to say, another version also says that they knew. No, they knew. Oh, okay. (laughs) Wait, maybe I... Maybe I messed up here. So they took advantage of her illness, uh, hoping that they'd be able to cash out. So unbeknownst to them, Victoriana had actually donated much of her wealth already to charity before before that night. A few hours after the burial, a cemetery watchman heard a terrible cry come from the woman's tomb. He ran over to see that a bloodied, petrified hand was coming out of the tomb. Later, it was learned that Victoriana had died from a heart attack after waking up and finding herself underground. She attempted to dig her way out of the tomb. Petrified, though. Because she died. So it just means, like, hard? Yeah. Rigid. Rigid? Rigid. Rigid. Um, number seven. Sorry, petrified to me means, like, petrified wood. Like, have you never seen Turn to stone. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets? When they're petrified? Yeah. I mean... They're not, like, dead, but it means that they're, like, rigged. Stiff what? Number seven. Mm -hmm. The vampire tree. This story was actually suggested by Isabel on Instagram. I was going to ask you about it. What? Sometimes you don't like it when I get ahead of myself, but I was going to be like, is this the Pantheon with the vampire under the tree? Oh, yeah. Good thing you didn't. Okay. I wanted the anticipation. So, in 1840... Um, sorry, this was suggested by Isabel on Instagram. Um, she suggested the story, but I, I was like, "Oh, you know what? Let me, let me go one let step me build further. On that. Let me, let me go one step forward. Let me, what is it? What is it that people say in that um, a specific type of person says in meeting? Um, let me piggyback off of what she's saying and add to it. Oh, I heard that today. Let's circle back. <laughs> Let's uh, recap in the totally. email. In uh, 1840, a man named Jorge moved to the city. Uh, He was very wealthy, so he had a mansion built for him by the time he got to Guadalajara. All of his neighbors knew about him, but when they asked him where he was from, he would always change the topic. Some residents say that Jorge gave them chills because of how eerie he looked, how he always dressed in black, and how he would go on long walks in the dead of night. Like, mama, we do that. He's literally just emo, and they thought he was a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Emo or a vampire? He was a goth is what it was that's what it was in uh 1840 yeah he was 1840s goth 1840s they had, goth they've had goth has been a thing for a long time are you sure goth culture has been a thing for a, maybe it wasn't called goth back then but <laughs> it, it was, was called vampire <laughs> but it was it was like the black aesthetic like that is that's always been a thing we'll look at the consequences then because hold on a few nights after jorge had moved to the city corpses of animals usually dogs and cats were found all over the all over the city dead. Uh, they were all completely drained of blood. The official theory claimed that this was due to an illness that only affected these animals. But after a few weeks, people actually began turning up dead in the streets. And just like the animals, they were completely drained of blood. Everyone in the town was basically on edge. And after sunset, the town felt completely deserted as no one dared leave their homes. Those that knew Jorge believed him to be responsible. They were hating um, a group of concerned residents decided to keep an eye on, on him and spy on him to know what he does during his nighttime walks. Karens. 
Sounds like a bunch of Karens in a neighborhood to me, or so, the, or an HOA. It was the HOA. It was the HOA. So they waited until nightfall for Jorge, and they followed him to a dark alleyway that turned out to be a dead end. When they turned around, they saw Jorge holding the neck of the guy at the end of the line. Then he ripped out his throat and fled. Which fucking escalated way too fast. Like, mama, you could have just turned around and be like, what's up? What if that guy was choking and he was trying to help him breathe? So he ripped out his throat? Yeah. It was a misunderstanding. No, absolutely not. You remember <laughs> that movie Dan- Nancy Drew where she like sticks a pen through that girl's throat to help no, her breathe? What the fuck? Yeah. I think it was Emma Roberts. But that's a thing. You can put like a trach like a trach on people. Ew. I don't want that. Yeah, no, don't do that. Uh, no one knew where he had gone and weren't able to find him the next day. The residents knew that the only way to get rid of a vampire is with a wooden stake through the heart. Which is weird because it's like, why is that general knowledge during the 1840s? So they got a stake made from a árbol de camichín, known as a ficus tree in English. Um... And blessed it with holy water. That night, the whole town was outside waiting for Jorge to strike. They were all on patrol. HOA mode. He was just uh, out in his little goth stroll in the middle of the night. That. <laughs> he killed someone. His, nick, his neck. His neck ripping stroll. It was a face. <clears throat> I don't know why it was that, that was so hard to say for a second. So that night. Oh, I already said that. Uh, when they heard a man scream, they all got their torches and chased after Jorge like a large mob. Uh, his eyes were bright red as they chased him to, into the Panteon de Belén where he tried to hide, but they had him cornered. More than ten men held him down while the town's bishop drove the stake into his heart. As he lay with the stake in his heart, Jorge swore that he would return one day to take his revenge. Um, he was buried in the cemetery and had concrete poured all, all over his tomb to ensure that he would not he wouldn't come out. However, the ne- the very next day, a large arbol de camichín tree began to grow on top of the tomb, with its roots ensnaring the stone slab on top of the tomb. I said, I'm sorry, that sounded weird. The tree is still there, and it is now, like, massive. Uh, supposedly, the sap of the tree is deep red, and legend says that if the tree is ever cut down, or if the tree manages to break the concrete slab on top of the tomb... Don Jorge will take out his revenge on the descendants of those that killed him. Which, Mama, I'm so glad my grandma's not from that part of Jalisco. No, I'm saying. Um, he's going to come out and he's going to live his best goth life because nobody actually says anything to goth people or emo people. Oh my anymore. God, he's an influencer. Well, I mean, not according to La Rosa de Guadalupe when people are like, it is emo. Mama, soy emo. So, next story. But anyways. Number eight, La Leyenda de Nachito, or The Legend of Nachito. So, this is also known as The Legend of the Child Afraid of the Dark. Have you heard of this one? Actually, have you heard of any of these? Um, yes, most of them. Oh, thank you. Um, this legend is about a 10-year-old boy named Ignacio Torres Altamirano. His parents and grandparents just called him Nachito. It's weird because some of these cases... They told, like, very, you know, like, seldom detailed. Like, they were, like, general information, general information. But some of them were so detailed. (laughs) On the night of 24th of May, 1882, a big storm was about to hit the city of Guadalajara. Mm -hmm. Nachito suffered from nictophobia, which is the psychological fear of the night or the dark. 
so his parents always kept two lights on outside of his bedroom window. When the storm hit, the power went out, causing the two lights to go out too. The entire family heard Nachito scream this blood-curdling scream from his bedroom. His mother ran to his room and found the little boy motionless and cold. It was determined that he had died from a heart attack from this intense pathological fear of the dark. Rumors circulated around the city that his heart had actually exploded from the fear or that his death was due to a curse on the family. Nachito was later buried at the Panteón de Belén. The next morning, the cemetery watchman found Nachito's coffin completely out of the ground and next to the grave. So, like, unburied. Oh, I've heard this one. The family and the locals were shook. They had the coffin reburied, but the next morning, the same thing happened. And again, this happened for the next nine days. Nachito's parents concluded that because of his fear of the dark, he didn't want to be away from the light. The solution to this was a stone coffin standing on four short pillars above the ground. The coffin has openings on the side to let light in, and surrounding the stone coffin are four obelisks with torch holders. Many people visiting the cemetery um, claim to have seen and heard Nachito near his tomb playing with toys. Supposedly, if you bring him an offering or a toy and request a favor, he'll grant it. The other version of the legend says that if you visit the cemetery without bringing Nachito something, he'll follow you home and you'll see him in the dark. Uh, same thing happens if you were to take one of his toys from his tomb. On Children's Day, known as El Dia del Niño, uh, Nachito's tomb is covered with money and plush animals, and caretakers in the cemetery always donate the money and toys to local children's hospitals. Um, number nine. How many do you have? This is the last one. Okay. So, Mothman. I know. He is on vacation. He's everywhere. I want his life. Spotted in Chicago. Spotted in West Virginia. Spotted spotted in Mexico City. Yeah. Mexico City. Russia. London. Paris. He's just a traveling world. They are going places. They're going places. Mama. Moth person. Moth person. Moth gentleman. Moth girl. So this is a shorter and recent uh, legend of the cemetery that happened about a decade ago in 2012, which is crazy to think that that was 10 years ago. Uh, Blanca Ramirez, a local woman from Guadalajara, learned about the legend of the pirate and went to the cemetery at night to communicate with it. Um, According to Ramirez, while walking around the vampire tree, she caught a brief glimpse of a hideous gliding figure leaping from the tree at a low level. She described it as a large, dark-colored, winged man with glowing red eyes. She claimed she only saw it for an instant, but the way that the creature firmly locked eyes onto hers felt like a lifetime. She said the creature swiftly soared into the sky and vanished into the clouds. And supposedly, this is Mothman. I only found two sources about this and they were both like copied and pasted from each other so um i don't know how um i don't know the word for it valid this is i don't know that sounds like a witch to me sounds like a bruja yeah so actually mothman is not everywhere he's not on vacation that was a bruja oh my god she's probably looking for a baby to eat (gasps) and the vampire tree and the pirate this this cemetery got it all. Any questions? No. And that was the Panteón de Belén. Campanas de Belén. 
Yep. Yep. I fucking hate Christmas music too. I love Christmas music. Oh god. The Nutcracker. Oh Anyways, my god, iconic. What do you have for the palate cleanser? Cuz you were so excited to get to this <sighs> point of the show. Or the podcast. Not a show. Um I mean, I wasn't like excited. I wouldn't say that. There's just a lot going on. Oh fuck, sorry. It's been a while, okay? So there's a lot that may seem out of date. So, you guys remember (laughs) like a few months ago when I fucked up and I didn't see the Golden State Killer presentation suggested by Maria because I forgot. And then I forgot who shared it. (laughs) So it was Maria. So thank you, Maria. She also suggested the show I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Um, It's an HBO HBO... Max. Max HBO yes. Max special. Um, it's about a book by Michelle McNamara, but it basically explains like the Golden State Killer and all the shit that he did. Because I mean, I knew details, but I didn't know details. If that makes sense, we ended up watching the show um a while back, and it was good. So we recommend that. As for any like spooky content i ended up uh completing the game ghostwire tokyo if you guys have a ps5 you guys i recommend it i mean if you guys like um like japanese culture because it has a lot of like supernatural influence it's not scary did you think it was scary no i didn't but i thought it was really cool how they like showcased a lot of different um like specters or creatures that exist Mm -hmm. in japanese mythology or like ghosts yeah that's what it is like mythology it was a lot of like japanese mythology and culture with like all the paranormal stuff that supposedly happens a lot of urban legends like i liked it 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 was was interesting yeah yeah um and speaking of a while back uh we went to dallas recently yeah it's been a while Wait, did we go two months ago? Yes. Right, because last month was a Spanish episode, mm-hmm. right? I think it was, we went around like June, the beginning of June. No, end of it May. It has been a while. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but we went to Dallas. It was fun. It's only like a three hour drive from Oklahoma City. Um, we did a lot of cute stuff. There was a lot of our listeners that messaged us and said, hey, why didn't we hang out? And I'm like, I am so sorry. Oh, my God. We didn't know so many of you are from Texas. From Dallas, Texas. From Fort Worth. From the Demid- from Doug Demidome. The- from Danton, Texas. From the owner of the Dimsdale. What? I'm going to be quiet. It's Doug Demidome, the owner of the Dugsdale Demidome. <laughs> he still said that wrong. Yeah. That's okay. But yeah, Dallas is fun. We're thinking about going again. Yeah. But if you guys have any recommendations again, that'd be fun. Yeah. We love getting recommendations because we eat a lot anyway. We went to H Mart. We went to... Where else was it? Tesla Life. Tesla Life Life. Tesla Life was cool. I had just spent so much money buying Japanese Japanese skincare. Mm. And then we went to Tesla Life, and literally everything was there except without the import fee and the shipping fee. Yep. 
I'm like, I don't know why you didn't wait. I didn't know we were going. I didn't know that's, that's what true. it was. It was like a, hey, let's try to go to this store over here. I was like, why is let's it so see pretty? what's in it. Yeah, and then we went in and everything was in Japanese and everything was, was from like, Japan. Wow, sugoi. Yeah. Sugoi ne. It was pretty fantastic because um i don't know if you guys know but like drugstore brands in japan are very high quality so when you go to the drugstore and get drugstore brand like skincare it's actually very good quality yes um sweden gate do you remember that um was this when everybody was blowing up about that you go over your friend's house and then they're like Oh, hey, I got to leave for a second. And then they disappear. They leave you in their room. And then when you come out of their room, they're eating and they're eating without <laughs> you. And they're like, oh, I'll be back in my room in just a minute. Go back in there. And they don't fucking feed you. Is this what we're referring to? Yes. Okay. Oh, so God. It was trending on TikTok for a while. And I think it was on. No, sorry. It was trending on Twitter. And I think it was trending on TikTok for a while, too. I think so TikTok is, is what started the trend, and then it moved to Twitter. No, it started on Twitter. Well, actually, it started on Reddit. So, here's Reddit post. It was on r slash askreddit. Someone said, what is the weirdest thing you had to do at someone else's house because of their culture slash religion? Sounds a little risky to ask that, but okay. Well, it's Reddit. It's not risky there. It's just whatever. <laughs> this is normal. It's the law. The lawless land. Feral. Reddit. Everyone is fucking feral on Reddit. So someone responded saying, I remember going to my Swedish friend's house and while we were playing in his room, his mom yelled that dinner was ready. And check this. He told me to wait in his room while they wait. That shit was fucking wild. Um, and someone responded saying, I slept over at a friend's house. Um, when we woke up, he said he was going downstairs for a few minutes. After about 15 minutes, I go down the stairs to see what the fuck is happening and they're eating breakfast. They see me and tell me he's almost done and will be up there soon. I still think about this shit 25, day, uh, 25 years later. And the thing is, as a brown person, as a growing up as a little brown little boy, I've run into situations like this where I won't say his name. I don't even know if he fucking listens. Um, Probably not. We, I, used to hang, like, I, have a, I used to have a best friend and we would hang out from like sixth grade up to like, uh, what the fuck is sophomore year we'd hang out all the fucking time he didn't live too far from my parents house anyway so we would just ride our bikes whatever i would go to go over his house play video games whatever and i remember there were multiple times when he'd be like oh we're about to have dinner so you have to leave and to me i was like growing up mexican it's like if someone's at your house it's like that's weird but i was like whatever and for a few times i did feel like what the fuck but then after a while i was like whatever like what like it's not my place to say anything but i remember like he would sometimes be over at my house or like we would have sleepovers and my parents would always feed him yeah. we'd always say like hey uh dinner's ready come tell your friend like explain to him what we're having and sometimes he'll say yes and sometimes he'll say, he'll say no but there are some people that think that's normal and to me, like, culturally, it's like if someone's at your house, you offer them something to eat. You offer yeah. them water. Something to drink. Yeah. Um, you offer them a spot to sit on. Yep. If you only have one chair, you give them your chair. Yep. Yeah. That saying that's, that that saying that goes, donde comemos dos, comemos todos. Can you translate that for everyone? Where two eat, 
all can eat. So it means no matter how what amount of food that you have, mm-hmm. you can always share. Exactly. And I think it's like even at work, sometimes like I bring food. At one time in particular, actually, it was for Cinco de Mayo, I think. Um, I brought a Tres Leches cake. I don't like Tres Leches. I'm sorry. Controversial. I know. I think I mentioned that, actually. I mentioned that before. You love mentioning that. I love talking shit. I'm different. I'm different. I'm different. Look at me. I'm different. (laughs) I'm I'm brown, but I don't like Tres Leches. Guys, I'm built different. And then we're going to have the primos and primas in our comments that are like, oh, I don't like Tres Leches either. Well, I'm like, Mm, bestie, you're so You guys are lucky that you guys listen to us because I would (laughs) have just said something. (laughs) Anything he would have said to you guys, I've already received it. It's fine. But anyway, as I was saying, so I bought Tres Leches cake and it was a fucking lot. It was a lot of cake. And I started inviting people from like other other parts of the floor. And I was like, hey, we have Tres Leches cake. You guys are welcome to have some. And I don't want to say anything bad about my teammates. But sometimes it feels like they get annoyed when I invite people over from other teams. Um, but it's like, and I kept saying it. It's like, what, what good is food if you can't share it? Like what it's the fuck is good as like relate? It's how you communicate. It's like yeah, it's how you build camaraderie. Exactly. Everyone around food. Eats. Everyone loves eating. Yeah, experiencing like maybe a different type of culture's food and trying to relate to them. But have you ever run into an issue with people excluding you like that? Yes. Yes. Of no course. Worries. Yeah, but not until later on in life like when i was older and i was like uh that's weird because when you come over my house we feed you so damn see i never i mean i was a child so i didn't say anything but well i had a lot of brown friends growing up and brown people don't do that (laughs) brown and black people do not do that and it was specifically when i moved to oklahoma and then i had a certain specific type of friend in like maybe late high school years when it was like that was a thing and i was just like that's weird that's suspicious because you ate motherfucking ribs white rice and frijoles negros at my motherfucking house last week bitch but you're right i don't want to eat this unseasoned chicken and this fucking white (laughs) cheddar macaroni that has no flavor no thank you Oh, my God. Well, that got very specific. Oddly specific because I still remember it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to talk about that. And I hope that if you listen to this podcast and you know who you are, that you're fucking embarrassed because I still think about it to this day. And I won't ever say your name out loud, only to Kevin off screen, off like microphone. I'll okay. tell him who it is. <laughs> well, love that. Okay, moving on. Okay. Cause... Okay. Next thing. Next thing. <laughs> okay. Facebook market Marketplace. Have you been there? Um, it needs to be stopped. <laughs> okay. Um, Brittany, friend of the pod. Stop sign there. She, oh, that's probably for sale too. Um, Brittany, friend of the pod. She suggested, you know, reach out because we kind of want to buy like different furniture because all of our shit, you know, we don't like it. We'd rather sell it to someone that else might need it. Our tastes are changing. Yeah. We're getting older. Like, obviously we're like aging millennials and shit's really expensive and we don't make money mm-hmm. like well, like i guess the money that we need to to buy things and be able to like you know redecorate our living room or redecorate our room and sometimes it's easier to like find these pieces that are more cost effective or sometimes vintage that are being thrown out mm-hmm. and to repurpose them but some of these motherfuckers on 
Facebook Marketplace just need to throw their trash away. (laughs) Just throw it away. Throw it out, mama. This is unusable. You have glued this dresser together 20 times with wood glue. What the fuck am I supposed to do with this? The back is coming out of it. That dresser is holding the on fucking particle life. board that's holding the back together. It's fucking fallen off. They've stapled it. They've glued it. They've like nailed it. <laughs> and you're telling me $200 is our bottom offer. Hell Bitch. No. Bitch, I'll give you two cents. Are you serious? Like, and I get it. Times are hard. But at the same time, bruh, throw your yeah. trash away. That's, that's literally just realize, trash. You have to realize that at some point, nobody's going to want it. Um, cracked, broken, iPhone 1, $700, (laughs) our bottom offer. No, no thank you. No thank you. The crazy thing about... Take that cell phone y metetelo por el culo, because I don't (laughs) fucking want it for $700. The craziest thing about Facebook Marketplace is that nobody knows how to spell couch. (laughs) Have you been on it recently? Yes. Nobody knows how to spell couch. It's crazy. It's the hardest word. Coach. One time. Cooch. (laughs) Different variation. I just said (laughs) cooch. (laughs) Cooch. Go ahead, fucking but it, say it again. But it has been spelled that way. Coach. Uh, C-O-C-H-E. I've seen that one. Um, you know, this is nobody knows how. One time I was in a spelling bee. <laughs> Sorry. One time I was in a spelling bee and I lost because I didn't know how to spell boulevard. I still don't. Um, one time I was in a spelling bee. Oh, no way. And I didn't win because uh-huh. I went on a field trip instead. And I was like, uh, and then my teacher was like, you should stay and do the spelling bee. And I'm like, we're going to the beach with Spanish, with our Spanish teacher. And you want me to stay to the beach to do this fucking spelling bee? Absolutely not. No, thank you. Flop. I'm leaving. Gone. <sighs> it's crazy. Anyway, Facebook Marketplace. What a time to be alive. A lawless place. A lo- Just there, like Reddit. There are some gems there. Also, like, what is this with, like, people that are, like... I saw this post that was, like, somebody messaged this woman that was selling a table. And it's, like, table for sale. Uh, and then the person was, like, um, did you sell this... T- is this table still for sale? And then, like, six months later, the old lady responded and was like, I don't have a table for sale. Don't contact me. (laughs) And I'm like, what the fuck? And, of course, it was an old-ass lady that probably didn't know how to use Facebook. She's like, what the fuck? Didn't see the timestamp on it. No, absolutely not. They never do. They never want to. (sighs) And even if they do, old people are just like, you know what? I want to watch the world crumble. And they still fucking answer or say some dumb shit. I've never what? been, I've, nobody my age has ever been rude to me. It's always these old people that are rude. Period. Exactly. Yeah. Um, sorry, just a few more things, just a few more of the topic for palate cleanser and then okay. we can move uh-huh, on to your story. Uh-huh. Um, okay. It's such a awakening moment when you realize that you're like, especially when you grow up. That you realize that your parents aren't perfect and they make mistakes and that sometimes there's still that child that grew up too fast and had to step into the adult world a lot younger than they anticipated. And one video in particular, I think I saw this like almost a year ago, but it was a video of, it was on TikTok of a girl that bought a cow, like a toy cow for her dad. Um, 
because supposedly he had mentioned it's like oh I, it's the toy that i wanted as a child but i never got um and the girl bought it for him and then when he opened it up he like started crying and i guess like i said like you kind of realize the older you get that your parents are people too and that they make mistakes too the thing is is that we are children of immigrants yeah and they went through a lot yeah some of them went through a lot i know my parents did Mm -hmm. and they grew up way too fast faster than they had they experienced trauma and the thing is is that when they're raising us they only they're only doing what they know and so sometimes it may seem harsh to us and it may seem like we just have like a weird relationship with our parents Mm -hmm. until you go to therapy and then it's like oh they you know they behave toxic but it's because it, they were taught to do that because of how they were treated. Or sometimes it's like they they treat their kids in a form that they thought was the right way. Yes. That they had to. But they didn't know they any didn't better. want to. It's like, oh, I have to be the parent. I have to, you know. Oh, I, I have to tell my daughter she looks fat I have to discipline my child. Yeah. I have to tell my daughter constantly that she looks fat and that she looks like she's gaining weight. And if she's going to grab another plate. Because that's how they were raised and that's how they justify in their mind that, oh, my mom loved me. She was just looking out for my health when really Mm. you're damaging your child. Yeah. But yes, over Christmas, over Christmas time this year, it was a trend where people were giving uh, items to their parents, like Hispanic people or people of like children of immigrants were giving their parents gifts that they had expressed that they wanted and they never received when they were children. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I was motherfucking crying on oh, every too, fucking oh, video. Mama. I was bawling. That, I was um, like, don't look at me, I look ugly. That that man that asked for a train set, uh, like a specific wooden train set hmm. that back in the 80s, his family couldn't afford because they lived on a farm in Chihuahua. Yeah. And his daughter bought him that train. That man fucking cried. And I cried even worse than that man did. Girl, me too. But that's what I mean. It's like they're like that child is still in them. Yes. And I think that's for a lot of parents like that, where, like I said, they had to grow up too fast and they're like, oh, fuck, I'm an adult. I'm in, sometimes it's like, I'm in a different country. I don't speak the language. Um, and it's like, I have to be strong for my child. So it's kind of like they push everything, all their childhood stuff, like in the background and they never address it. So yeah. when they get like a gift like that, it's like, it's that mask starts to break and it's like, it's like, a step. Oh, yeah, I was like, it's I was a, a step in the right too. direction. Yeah. yeah, it's like what, like what leads t- to happen is we have emotionally immature parents. Is what happens. Yeah, they had to grow up so fast. They didn't learn how to express themselves emotionally. They didn't learn how to um, relate to others or the compassion that they should have and what way they should express themselves. And so they're emotionally immature to no fault of their own. You know, that reminds me, okay, as I was saying, there's a sound bit on TikTok, and I always scroll past it, of um, people use it, and it's like when I told my parents that I was depressed, and it, then, um, like, in the sound bit, the mom's, like, yelling, saying, like, why the fuck are you depressed? Why the fuck are you acting like that? Like, no wonder I see you all fucking stupid. Like, just this terrible shit, and that's the only part that I, like, remember of it, because usually it's like, I'm scrolling past this shit. Um... So, yeah, I agree. A lot of parents are emotionally stunted where it's like they don't know how to they don't know how to relate emotionally to their children 
because either one, they don't know the words, or two, it's like, what are you talking about? I had to be strong too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but we all fucking suffered all, like differently. Like our struggles are all different. Yeah. I've been recently watching this TikToker that is, uh, and I will have to get back on mm. what her name is or like what her TikTok name is. But basically she's like teaching my parents, teaching gentle parenting my parents yeah is what it is yeah i remember you know you know Mm -hmm. what i'm talking about where she's like she's hispanic and she's talking to her mom in in english or in spanish but i'm gonna say it in english because of you know some of our listeners don't speak spanish and so she's like hey mom like look at this i love this dress look at how good i look in it and blah, blah 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 and this this and that and then the mom's like oh yeah i i guess it's okay you know, you look like you might it's be like gaining never a, little, a compliment. It, it, you might you look like you might be gaining a little weight. And I don't know if that's your color. And then she turns around and looks and she's like, Mom, I don't care what you think. You see how excited I am. I want you to be excited as as excited as I am with me. Yeah. I don't care that you don't like this dress because what you're doing right now is pushing me away. So next time something good happens in my life, I'm not going to share that with you. Oof traumatize your parents back mama yeah and then (laughs) and i was like wow and then she comes out with videos of like different types of scenarios of like this is how you gentle your parents like you Mm -hmm. say hey oh like she'll call her mom and say hey what's going on mom and the mom's like i don't know i don't know i gotta go i gotta go and she's like oh what's wrong like what's going on she's like i don't want to bother you you always seem really busy and you always seem like you don't want to talk but you know what like i'll just let you get back to your life you're so busy you're so busy and that one stuck with me because my mom does that to me. Ooh. And she'll be like, oh, no, estás muy ocupado. No, no. Mejor, mejor me voy. Mejor me voy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I literally called you. So, obviously, I want to talk to you. Yeah. So, what's going on? It's like, well, I, I don't know. I just it's seem like, like want- it's like, uh, I'm such a burden on you sometimes. And it's like, then she explains to her mom, she's like, you're not a burden on me. This here, this behavior is making me want to push you away because it's exhausting dealing with you when you're like this. Yeah. So can you tell me we're we're adults? Tell me what's wrong, so that we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. You're grown. I'm grown. So let's have a grown adult conversation. Yeah. We don't. I, let's not do indirectas. And that's and kinda, I was like, oh my god! Like these approaches are like, I guess like, very direct. You've seen me. I've been very rude to my mom before when she's rude. Yeah. And like this maybe might be the direction that I should go in because obviously like when my mom's getting rude with me and I'm like dishing it back out, you know, yeah. giving her the same energy, my dad steps in sometimes and he's like, okay, that's your mom. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, but she's playing with me. And so, I mean, me está buscando and she found me. So like, here we are. Me. Yeah. What do you think this was? What do yeah. you think we look like? I'm like mirror. Hello. Whatever you say to me, I'm ditto. Reflect. Yeah. Or who does that? Is that is that Ditto? <laughs> or is that Wabafet? I think that's Wabafet. <laughs> yeah, when he like reflects it. I'm very much a type the type of person that's like I'm going to give you the same energy that you give me. Yeah. I think that it's so exhausting turning the other cheek. Mm-hmm. And I'm not Christian, so turning the other cheek is not for me. That's not an option. It's no. Not on the table, mama. Um, you know, I I see where you mean I mean, it kind of ties back to how you're saying emotionally stunted sometimes because it's like sometimes parents approach us like that where it's like, oh, no, no, you're so busy. It's like because they don't really know how to talk. 
because they did that they i mean what am i saying it's an parents probably did that it's a trauma response because their parents were probably like unapproachable leave me alone go dress your go dress your siblings go go milk that cow leave me the fuck alone why are you here and yeah. so it's like we have to realize that, that they, so they are always, the way that they are for a reason. And they always felt like a burden to their parents. It's like now I'm a burden to my child. Yes. See, I've never... I mean, I'm not like you where it's like, oh, I'm going to reflect back your energy. I get a fucking aggressive. And um, I'm the type of person that's like, why the fuck are you like that? Why are you being like that? And I'll point it out. And people don't like that sometimes when no, I point they out don't. their fucking flaws. They don't like when you're direct. I was watching a video Ooh, today. I love being direct. Um, I was watching a video today just before you came home that was like, it's this Puerto Rican woman and she talks about how she doesn't accept that type of behavior towards her anymore, that she's an adult. Mm-hmm. And basically she's like, you know, dramat- dramatizing like a... Um, a situation where she's talking to like a family member and a family member's like, oh, you can't even talk to her. She gets so offended now. She gets so offended. You can't even say anything. You can't even say anything Mm -hmm. anymore. We're just playing around. We're just playing. It's just a joke. We're just playing around. And then she's like, well, how come? No, you're being mean is what you're doing. Because when you're, when you love someone, you're honest with them and you're not mean to them. Mm -hmm. I've seen you do it before with other people. You have a vendetta against me. You want me to feel badly about myself, but I'm not going to feel badly because I know that you're doing this because you don't feel good about yourself for whatever reason. Oof. And people fucking hate being they called out like that. They hate that when you do that. It's like, oh, the consequences like, because of my action. And then she says something like, um, that's why you can't trust people. Like you can't trust your husband. You're like, your husband doesn't trust you or something See, like that. That's going a little too and far. And then, well, the prima says, why do you do that? That's so that's such a sensitive topic. That, oh, why are you so sensitive? I can't even joke around with you anymore. Why are you why are you like that? No, ni le podemos decir nada. She's like it's the same thing that just happened. Because whatever it was that her cousin had said to her mm-hmm. was deeply offending, yeah. deeply offensive. It doesn't like go into like what had just been said to her, mm-hmm. but you get the like you understand that something what the, whatever they said was very offensive to the person making the video. Yeah. Because that happens. They say something like, out of fucking pocket, and then they expect you to ha-ha, hee-hee about it, and then feel yeah. like shit about it afterwards when you're when you're home, or you're going home with your husband and your kids in the car, and it I mean, they just expect you to, like, think that it's funny? That's not funny. Yeah. That's not funny, and it's not right. And we should stop accepting behavior like that from, from people that we don't know, like our coworkers and our family especially. Yeah. I well, I, what I mean is like I don't ever get petty, but if someone does try to make a joke at me, you call them out. I call them out. And yeah. It's like why the fuck are you being like that? I don't ever say, oh well, what about you know your, your husband that cheated on your shit? Like I don't ever bring up stuff like that because it's like then we're the same. I, I have no problem. I have no problem being the same as somebody else. <laughs> That's the thing. Maybe I have a superiority complex. The thing with me is, is that I'm fucking mean, and you know that I'm mean. When somebody makes me mad, I'm mean, and that's that's the problem. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to be better than the person when I'm mad. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I don't know. Well, I'm sorry, not to get off topic, but it was mainly about parents. And a lot of feelings. Uh, feelings. Associated with feel. parents or family. 
so one last thing before we go into your story because i feel like we're rambling um cinema therapy kind of in in line with this um so cinema therapy it's a youtube channel that i make you watch i make you watch with me sometimes some of them are nice Uh, i love this channel so it's licensed therapist jonathan decker and filmmaker alan seawright and in the video in particular that I'm referring to, they are they reacted to the movie A Quiet Place. And one thing that stood out to me was that, fuck, I forgot which one of them said it. But they said, the hardest part about being a dad is feeling like I'm messing my kids up. And I tell people that if you're worried that you're messing your kids up, you're probably not. Because the people who actually mess their kids up don't worry about it. So... Maybe those two ideas are related. True. Also, this is a very good channel because they watch like Goko. Yep. And I mean, they do like a. Obviously, they're not going to do as good of an analysis on like the cultural aspect of it because they are white. Yeah. But they do make a very good analysis of like the emotion Mm -hmm. and like the treatment and like the trauma that people display during these movies and like why they do the things that they do and they do a, they they do a very good explanation of it. Yep. Yep, absolutely. I think I've watched like all their videos and they have a few about horror movies. One that I just recently watched about it, chapter 1 and 2. Um so if you like therapy and addressing your childhood trauma and fear, hit them up. Shut up. Um, my favorite ones are the Zootopia one because that one Ooh, is like that one was good. Heavily like talks about racism. Yeah, because I mean they frame it as like it's about preconceived prejudices. Yes, yeah, so it's like it's like people that are or like the animals that are considered prey, and then the animals that are considered like hunters. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's very anecdotal and like very. It's a metaphor. Yeah, and. It was it was like hearing the explanation from a therapist was it made me see the movie differently. Yep. And then of course Shakira's a gazelle at the end, so I had to watch. It. <laughs> but wild. but I digress. So it was good. Um, also, just adding on. I know you wanted to move on. Adding on. Um, I'm looking for a therapist because okay. I don't already go to therapy. Yeah. And I have heard that getting a therapist that is your ethnicity is better for you in the long run yeah because they know the cultural impact so because recently people have started talking about on social media that to no fault of their own like i will say that they're doing their job right but like hispanic people will go out and get um a white therapist and like the the therapist will urge them to do something that is very like anti- like counterintuitive to the culture contrary to the culture and it ends up being that people have to cut off their family because it gets so toxic because they don't have that cultural reference Mm -hmm. to understand like exactly how the family dynamic works and so they need to know that like latino cultures or latinx cultures and hispanic cultures are very like family oriented the family pyramid like the the hierarchy and how it works Mm -hmm. and it like they if they're in your ethnic group it's easier for them to relate and actually give you uh worthwhile advice that will work in your situation yeah and so a lot of black people have started going to black therapists 
a lot of Hispanic people have started going to Hispanic therapists and Asian to Asian therapists because mm. they have the cultural reference in the background to actually give you good, useful advice in your situation. Yeah. And so I think that that has been very smart advice. And I think that I'm going to go ahead and do that and find like, um, just like a Latina or Latino or Latina, whoever it is mm-hmm. that, that can actually understand like, where my trauma comes from, where my parents' trauma comes from, and, like, where my relationship, like, to how I feel about myself and how unhealthy it is, mm-hmm. like, so I can talk about it. Yeah. And so they know. But anyways, I'm getting, like, really deep into it, and I never expected to talk about this to a whole bunch of people on a podcast, but I think we should move on to my story. Okay. All right. So, this was suggested by Diana. Or Diana, not sure. It is the true crime story of the Sacramento vampire. Oh, Sacramento. Um, trigger warning: sexual abuse, um, child killing, violence, uh, mental health issues. And so, if any of those are like any triggers for you, I urge you to just go ahead and skip to the end of the episode and hear our outro. Um, hopefully next episode I'll be able to, or I will choose to do something that's, uh, more friendly for everyone to listen to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So among a lot, a lot of more mainstream serial killers, Richard Chase of, or Vampire of Sacramento is considered to be more depraved and disturbed than most. From a young age, he experienced extreme delusions that ended with fatal consequences to the victims involved. Richard Chase ultimately became infamous when he killed and mutilated the bodies of six victims in Sacramento, California, in the late 1970s. Given his nickname, it doesn't come as much of a surprise that Richard Chase's trademark was drinking the blood of his victims after he killed them. But drinking his victims' blood wasn't even the vampire killer's most disturbing trait. Richard Trenton Chase was born in Sacramento, California on May 23, 1950. Richard Chase showed signs of mental illness at a young age, but his father, a strict and sometimes physically abusive parent, did little to get him help. Chase was disturbed and an unhappy Chase was disturbed and unhappy as a child, and his symptoms grew worse in adolescence. He set several small fires, frequently wet the bed, and displayed signs of cruelty towards animals. These three habits are sometimes called the McDonald Triad or the Triad of Sociopathy proposed by psychiatrist J.M. McDonald in 1963 as a predictor of sociopathy in a patient. Chase's problems grew worse when his father allegedly kicked him out of the house without supervision. Chase turned to alcohol and drugs, which quickly turned into substance abuse. Psychotropic drugs exacerbated the symptoms of his illness. Up Up to this point in his life, though, Chase had always been a severe hypochondriac. So he was always a hypochondriac since being a child. Mm. He became convinced on several occasions that his heart had stopped. At times, he thought he was a walking corpse. He literally thought he was dead. He was, con- he was convinced sometimes that someone had stolen his pulmonary artery. But being occasionally dead was no reason to neglect, neglect his health. Fearing that he lacked vitamin C, he reportedly pressed whole oranges to the skin of his forehead believing that his brain would absorb the nutrients directly. Hello? Very strange behavior. Doctors hate him. 
One of his strangest and most powerful delusions involved his skull. He felt that his cranial bones had split apart and begun to shift beneath his skin, changing places and jumbling like puzzle pieces. He shaved his head in an effort to monitor their movements, so when you see pictures of him, he's bald. Bald. At the age of 25, Chase was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and institutionalized in 1975 to prevent him from becoming a danger to himself. His fascination with blood earned him the nickname Dracula among the psychiatric hospital assistants, who witnessed him kill and attempt to drink the blood of several birds in an effort to stave off the effects of a poison that was he imagined slowly turning his own blood to powder. So he was all around just delusional about everything. It was his attempt to inject himself with rabbit's blood, which made him violently ill that had resulted in his institutionalization. So that's why he ended up there. Mm -hmm. In spite of several similar incidents, the staff believed that they had rehabilitated Chase and he was released to live with his mother. So, I mean, this was like the 60s or the 60s. So they really did not have very good like understanding of we still don't of like mental mental illnesses. Yeah. Um, though Richard Chase has been released into his mother's care, there was nothing nothing legally binding that forced him to stay with her. Not long after his release from the psychiatric hospital, he moved out. Later, saying that he thought his mother was poisoning him, he moved into an apartment he shared with a group of young men he called friends. But it seemed they didn't know Chase well. When he persisted in unusual behavior, notably drugs, drug abuse that left him constantly high and a proclivity for walking around the apartment without any clothes, regardless of who was over. Um, Richard Chase, however, refused. They asked him to like put clothes on and quit acting so crazy and stop doing so many drugs. Mm-hmm. Richard Chase, however, refused. And it seemed the path of least resistance to his sometimes uh, to his sometimes roommates was to abandon the apartment and find other lodgings. So they asked him to leave. He didn't want to, so then they left. They left wow. him there. Chase was once uh, again living on his own in a circumstance that always exacerbated the symptoms of his condition. His fascination with blood resurfaced and he began capturing and killing small animals. He would eat them raw or blend their organs with soda and drink the mixture. What the fuck? In August of 1977, Nevada police found him late one night in the Lake Tahoe area, covered in blood and carrying a bucket with a liver in the backup of his pickup. When in the back of his pickup, in the backup of his pickup, in the back of his pickup, since they determined the blood and organs belonged to a cow and not a human, they let they let Chase go. On December 29th, 1977, Richard Chase was frustrated and lonely. His mother hadn't allowed him to come home for Christmas. He would later recall, and he was mad. Ambrose Griffin, a 51-year-old man who was helping his wife bring in groceries, became his first victim. So he was so fucking pissed that his mom wouldn't let him come home for Christmas. He, like, set out. He left his place of... his pl- Wherever he was staying. Mm-hmm. And so this was Ambrose Griffin. A 51-year-old man who was helping his wife bring in groceries became his first victim. While driving by their street, Chase pulled out a 22 caliber pistol and shot him in the chest. Oh, my God. And that's when his beginning, like, the beginning of, like, his murder started. Mm-hmm. And literally, like, seeing that man's blood started an obsession. On January 23rd, 1978, this is where it gets a little crazy. Chase entered the home of Teresa Wallen, who was pregnant, through her unlocked front door. He felt... He would say during his interrogation that an unlocked door was a kind of invitation to him since he was a vampire. Um, 
Did he decide that he was a vampire? Yes. A justification for what happened next. So he was obsessed with Dracula. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, like, if they left the door unlocked, it was like he could come in. They were inviting him in. But if it was locked, he's like, oh, I have to leave. Vampire rules. Vampire God. rules. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um. So that's where I go. Uh, let's see. An unlocked door was a kind of invitation to him, a, justif- uh, a justification for what happened next. From that time on, all his victims were people who had left their door unlocked. Richard Chase shot Teresa Wallen three times using the same gun he used to shoot Griffin. Chase proceeded to stab her with a butcher knife before cutting out her organs and drinking her blood. He reportedly used a yogurt container as a cup. What the fuck? Yeah. Chase's final murders were the most gruesome of all. And he was never caught for that one. So he like made out like a bandit. Chase's final murders were the most gruesome of all. On January 27, 1978, just four days after Wallen's murder, Chase found Evelyn Muroth's door unlocked. Inside were her six-year-old son, Jason Muroth, her 22-month-old nephew, David Ferreira, and friend named Dan Meredith. Meredith was murdered in the hallway, dead by a gunshot wound to the head. Chase subsequently stole his car keys. Evelyn and Jason were found in Evelyn's bedroom. The little boy had been shot twice in the head. Evelyn was partially cannibalized, her stomach was cut open, and she had multiple organs missing. There was also a failed attempt to remove one of her eyes, and her corpse had been sodomized. What the fuck? The baby David Ferreira, whom Evelyn Miroth had been babysitting, was missing from the scene of the crime. (sighs) The child's decapitated corpse was found months later behind a church. Hello? The story of what happened that night emerged during Chase's trial. Uh, The knock of a visitor had started Sacramento's vampire killer who took Ferreira's body and fled via Meredith's stolen car. The visitor alerted a neighbor who then called the cops. The authorities were able to identify Chase's prints in Miroth's blood. So he literally got caught in the middle of murdering them Mm -hmm. and then ran out. The man saw or this person saw him run out, gave a description, and he took off in the car. So this man saw that this other man was covered in blood. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah. I hate um, this. The visitor alerted a neighbor who then called the cops. The authorities were able to identify Chase's prints in Mira's blood. I already read that. But when the police searched Chase's, the Chase's apartment, they found... When the police searched Chase's apartment, they found that all of his utensils were stained with human blood and his fridge contained human brains. Chase was arrested. The sensational trial of the Vampire of Sacramento began on January 2nd, 1979 and lasted five months. The defense attorneys rejected the suggestion death penalty on the grounds that Chase was not guilty by reason of insanity. In the end, after five hours of deliberation, the jury took the side of the prosecution. Richard Chase, the vampire killer, was found guilty of six counts of murder and sentenced to death by gas chamber. What the fuck? His fellow inmates were aware of his crimes, were frightened by him, and they often encouraged him to kill himself. Richard Chase did just that, stockpiling the anti-anxiety medicine he was offered by the jail staff until he had enough for a fatal overdose. He was found dead in his jail cell the day after Christmas in 1980. Wow. And that was the story of the vampire killer. Or wait. The Sacramento Vampire. The Sacramento Vampire. Oh my god, you don't even know the name of your case. 
Wow. Yeah, and it was just very gruesome there. That was very fast. Yes. Um, I thought that it would be disrespectful to get into like what types of things he did with the body. Yeah. So I decided to just like give a very general overview just because there were child children involved in this. Yes. So Okay. Thank you. Um, I could have gone more in depth, but I was like, this is a no. little too gruesome for me. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a recent, I don't even know what it is, like a counter true crime movement going on recently mm-hmm. um, about, I forgot what case it was, but basically someone's, like a victim's sibling was supposedly like being harassed because of it was a famous like, fanatics case. yeah like some people that were like obsessed with true crime were harassing her is like treating it as if she didn't lose her sibling and kind of making it like this little fan club type of behavior where it's like what the fuck is wrong with you like my sibling died um but i know recently there's been like even tiktok i've, se- I've seen about it and i saw like a whole like f- Oh, shit. I saw, like, a 40-minute YouTube video about um, this girl saying, like... I don't know. I think it was on Twitter. I'm sorry. But a girl was saying, like, I know why a lot of people are against true crime now. It's because it's usually dominated by white women. It's like, that's not what it is. It's that some people, especially explaining true crime, do it in a very disrespectful manner. Yeah. It's trauma porn for some people yeah it's like we mm. i know there's a a famous podcast i won't say the name but there was a famous podcast that got mentioned a lot of times yeah um but yeah it's i mean with true crime it's a very fine line um where you have to respect the people it's not just a case sometimes while i do understand that like when bad things happen to me you know the first thing i do is fucking laugh yeah crack the fuck up i'm like i cannot fucking believe this is happening to me it's how we deal with trauma but there's like you said a fine line between like making a joke to make yourself feel better about what you're saying and then versus being disrespectful to the like the, the people that this happened to yeah mm-hmm. degrading and it's like it's made me rethink about how i do true crime cases and like yes. made me rethink mm-hmm. about how like i've talked about things in the past and it like it unsettles me that it's like i didn't see a problem with it before and now i'm like that's a problem that i didn't think that because it was, it's so normalized yeah there are like documentaries and cases that do a really good job of being super respectful they're serious but then there's podcasts and then there's tiktok videos and stuff that are like that are very disregarding to the family yeah and there's also like a famous youtuber i won't say her name but she's been brought up recently about it too but yeah it very much has changed the way that i not even like take true crime stuff because there's a channel on youtube fuck i forgot the name of it that talks about some like the most uh like heinous (laughs) and fucked up cases one of them being like josh duggar because i didn't know a lot of is that the one that was doing Jared Fogle too from Subway? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. It's yeah. that channel. It's heavy shit, let me tell you. But it's like with cases like that, with topics like that, it's hard to make jokes because usually a lot of people, that's what they gravitate for. It's like, yeah, this is fucked up. Let me at least make it a little more lighter with a joke introduced every so often. 
And it's like, so I want to apologize too if I've ever made any insensitive jokes because that's not my intention. I don't want to make it seem like I'm taking, like making light out of a heavy situation. Mm -hmm. But although I do sometimes have the habit, like you said, of laughing at my own misfortune. Yeah. But sometimes it is hard. It's like, should I be laughing at this misfortune of myself or should I cry? Sometimes it's how like we deal with things, but we have to remember that Los Mexicanos were like a very interesting ethnic group where it's like everything's funny to us and we have to make a joke about everything but not yes. everybody's like that yeah oh and that's yeah. okay like it's very valid for them not to think things are funny while we're cracking up at our misfortune there's a phrase in mexico and it's a it's actually a thing where mexicans very much try to make a light of like even like political situations mm-hmm. with stuff like that it's like in, in spanish it's called reírse en la cara de la muerte which is like laughing in the face of death i mean that's probably why it's so easy to just kind of brush off mass killings in the country i mean those students disappeared and i mean will i ever cover that case maybe will i scream while i'm doing it probably because that shit will hurt there's that whole feminicida movement going on in mexico too and people like really aren't paying attention to it and they really should because it I mean, everyone has like a mom or a grandma or a sister or a tia or yeah, whatever it is. Well, not only that, it's like you don't have to have a relationship or be associated with a someone of the female gender to actually care about another human being. Right, right, right. right. It's it's the notion that like just because it doesn't affect you directly doesn't mm-hmm. mean it shouldn't like it shouldn't warrant like it, it shouldn't. shouldn't worry you. Yes, it shouldn't worry you. But if that's how people sympathize and it's like yeah that could very much be your sister your aunt your mother your grandmother right it's like you shouldn't have to use that like analogy to care for someone that went missing but if it helps fucking care about someone that went missing um specifically what i'm talking about like is this roe versus wade this is very scary oh mama this is like crazy to me like i'm like what the fuck yeah this was one of those things that like I thought that they would come after gay marriage first before this because this has been around for so much longer. Yep. And the thing is, is that something this big was overturned and you're not paying attention. Like, what are they going to do next? Not only that, so many other countries are looking at us like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Yeah. Like, this is embarrassing. Eso es de lo menos. Like, I don't give a fuck what other people think about what's going on, but like our people here are suffering. Yeah, you know what I well, mean. I mean it more in the sense of like, there are so many people from other countries that look at America as like land of the free. Well, not so much, but still, it's always been considered the land of the free, where it's like anything is possible. You can go there and make a lot of money. It's like if they meet you from a different, if you go to a different country, they ask where you're from. It's like, oh, you're from the U.S. Oh, that's so cool. Well, sometimes, um, that's not a thing anymore. It hasn't been a yeah, thing for about fifteen years. A lot. Yeah, it's it's dying. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't think I, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, no, because anyway. how long is it going to be before they come after something that directly affects you? And that's not yeah. why you should care. I'm not saying that that's why you should care, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that like this thing got overturned and these other things, it's like a domino effect. Oh yeah. It's like they they overturned Roe versus Wade. Next thing we know, we're not married. Next thing you know, it's illegal for us to be gay. 
or to be just of a different sexual orientation. Then next thing we know, it's like, we have to go, we have to go back to Mexico because then they're like, Oh, anchor babies aren't a thing anymore. You guys don't have citizenship here. Bye. Yeah. Like my national, my citizenship can be revoked because some nine wizards decided against it. Yeah. No, they're trying to summon the ghosts of Thomas Jefferson. It's like, Hey, what did you mean? Everybody should be worried. Everybody should be worried and everybody should be scared. And the thing is, is that I don't give a fuck if you were like, for the church, we've said this before, had church, had your rights to observe whatever religion you wanted were on the line, like, I would fight for you because Mm -hmm. that's what this country is for, like, for you to do whatever the fuck you want, right? Yeah. But it's like, people are like, no, it's like, no, not all of us are Christian, so you shouldn't be making my decisions based on the fact that you're Christian. Just because you want to behave under these sets of rules, those rules don't apply to me because I don't believe what you believe. Yeah. Like, it's like, if you don't believe in abortion, don't get a fucking exactly. abortion. Wake but why the, the fuck, fuck would you take that? Wake the why fuck would you take up. that option from someone else? And the thing is, is that what these people don't realize is that these are specifically targeting people of color and black people. Yeah. Rich white women will never stop getting abortions, even though they're quote unquote Christian. They will fly to a, illegal. They'll fly to a different country if something happens. Go get an abortion and come back and act like nothing happened and say they went on a nice vacation. Because sometimes they have the means for it. But the rest of us that can't afford things like that are fucked. Not only that, when have you seen like a Planned Parenthood type of billboard or like a adoption thing or an abortion thing anywhere that it's like not in a primarily like brown or black community they're around us all the time like i don't know if you've seen the one where am i the street over there i won't say the name but there's like a um it's like an unexpected baby or something like that you know what i mean those types of posters are usually put around neighborhoods where it's like low income low income people of color people of color you don't really see those in the rich upper class parts of the city so of course it's fucking targeting everyone else it's like why should you start caring now yeah you've been fine the whole time because i'm just saying at the end of your life if you believe that you're gonna go to heaven if you think that you're gonna meet god you're not gonna be there for me you're not going to be standing there watching me get judged. That's between me and God. That's not between you, me, and God. This is an A and B conversation. So see your way out of it. Ooh. Wow, I got him with that. Wow. Wow. Got Literally, let me tell the politicians. I, wow, I just solved it. Just solved <laughs> me it. Me running for Senate. But that's the thing, too. It's like you have to realize that if you're a Christian as you say you are, Mm. then at the end of my life, I'm going to be there with God getting judged and not the other person. So let me fess up for my shit that I've done and you mind your motherfucking business. Why does this always have to go back to people not knowing how to mind the motherfucking business and getting black people shot for calling the cops on them every five minutes? Exactly. For existing. Or for a fucking man going to somebody's house and working on their house, a Hispanic person working on, on their house or walking in their neighborhood. They just don't look like they belong there, quote unquote, to them. Wow. It's like, why almost, is this a problem? It's like, there's almost like an intersectionality about all the issues that America is facing right now. They're targeting specific demographics, demographics of the population. It's really fucking annoying. I really like get so fucking annoyed. 
Well, I'm sorry. That did not mean to end on such a heavy note, but we it's been a while literally how yeah i know it's been a while i know and we've had a lot to talk about there's a lot going on in our lives yeah and then we don't ever structure these episodes like we don't have notes no the only notes that we have the only notes that we have is the stories and then kevin has like a notes his notes app open to the palate cleanser just like the name of what we're going to talk about and sometimes it's just like three words and it's just free flowing what the fuck did i mean by i don't know if you guys can tell but we're never (laughs) it's like unplanned we're not unorganized yes and we're just like this is conversations that we have between ourselves outside of the podcast yeah most of the time it's like we're just regurgitating all the stuff that we said before yes but it's i mean are we crazy like it does nobody like it does everybody else think the same i know ashley thinks the same because she's out there protesting in texas what because of all the things yes love the red hair love the protesting we would go we would go um with her if we had like enough time to go and have pto and stuff like that <laughs> but we're exactly. stuck here but the same thing is happening here yep so Anyways, sorry guys. Sorry. <laughs> Hopefully. Oh, hold on. I know how to end the the show. Okay. We have a surprise. What surprise? It's a surprise. We oh yeah, don't... we do have a surprise. We we aren't going to tell. Can't say it just yet. Yes. Maybe by the next month it'll be. The secret will be maybe out. in the next few weeks. Maybe Ooh, who knows maybe. What, what we're doing. Um. Hopefully we come out with a cheeky so soon because we have way yes okay. too many stories. Perfect segue. And we need to catch up. Perfect segue. Because I was going to end on this note. I don't know if it's by the time this episode comes out, but I finished my last class of summer. And after Friday, I will have an associate's (gasps) degree. Yes. So I graduated. It took me 10 fucking years. But you know what? It's one of my best and favorite achievements. Just because it took you 10 years does not make the accomplishment any less than it was. No, that's not what I meant. I'm saying it took me 10 fucking years. But I'm still here, bitch. Exactly. But I'm telling that to our listeners. Oh, okay. Just, be ta- just because it takes you a little longer to do something yeah. it does not make the accomplishment any less exactly. celebratory than it is. Because if anything, you're out here even doing a- the fucking thing, working around your schedule, like two exactly. jobs, maybe uh, some kids. Exactly. Maybe you're, um, you have a disability somehow or something, or like you have to, I don't know. There's always roadblocks. There's always something but in the way. Even if it takes you that long to accomplish it, mama, we fucking did it. We fucking did it. We fucking did that. Look at me. I still haven't finished college. Collage. But I don't I have did. an Eskoskiets. I moved across the fucking country with an ex, was now in fucking prison. I was fucking homeless. Wow, you're getting real. I got two fucking jobs at one time when I was fucking homeless. Um, and uh, what else happened in my life? And then I was struggling financially. But you know what? I fucking did it. That's why it's one of my biggest af- achievements. Yes. So I don't know what to do with it now. It's an associate's in French. Ooh, le français. And... <laughs> I tested out of all my fucking French classes. So all so, you've been taking is a, a, like electives. electives and core classes. Yep. Les songes fous. Good job. Well, <laughs> I know some Francais too. Baguette. Baguette. Love that for you. J'aime so, le bolillo. I don't know how to say bolillo in French. Anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> Please follow us on Instagram <laughs> if you haven't run away yet. And if you love us. Um, at Kispooky Podcast or on Twitter at Kispooky Pod. 
Also, email us any story suggestions or your own scary stories at kisspookypodcast at gmail.com. Oh, that's what seg- the segue I was meant to be uh, to go into. So, since I'm done with school, we can finally be able to record more cheeky sounds. Yes, please. That's the, what I was. I, I forgot to mention. <laughs> I don't know how to edit the episodes. Like Kevin does all the editing and posts the episodes. I'm fighting I'm, for my life because I'm dumb. So I'm out here in the fucking trenches of the podcasting world. Yeah. So the, we trade. He does the podcast and I do laundry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Balance. Happy marriage. Special thanks to Taylor Turner for the artwork and Kyle Fields for the intro music. And don't forget to tell someone you love how much they mean to you. We love you guys. Bye. Bet you didn't say bye. Oh, bye. <laughs>